The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Last night, uh, after we had had our dinner, our son had found a documentary entitled Lucky that he began to watch. And I was planning to go downstairs and finish this sermon. And I was uh, also... Uh, thinking about how I might get into this topic about greed and about our relationship to money. And I thought, well, perhaps the lottery would be a good way to work into that. And it turns out that the documentary that he had uh, uh, selected on demand is about, uh, I think, three couples or three people. That's wrong. A couple of couples and a, and a couple of single people who had won the lottery and what it had done to their lives. And it was uh, it was just uh, amazing to see how these people responded to these windfall sums of money. I remember in particular one couple who were determined that they were going to not change anything about their lives. And their children also uh, decided they wanted to continue living as they had. Well, then later in the documentary, they come back and you find out that they could not do it. It was impossible. And they ended up moving to Florida from somewhere up in the, uh, the mid part of the U.S. And they she said, I think at one point, it's so much easier to to live among people who have about what you have. And so it was so hard for them as people who had won over one hundred million dollars to be able to continue their ordinary life. The stories that, that were portrayed in the documentary are just amazing. One man, uh, actually his brother and I think a sister, took out a contract on him so they would get his money. And it's, to see what money could do to ordinary people was really compelling. And it also caused me to ask, what about myself? How, what about my relationship with money? What would happen to me if I had such a windfall? I remember just yesterday saying to someone that 
uh, hearing about the uh, the uh, incredible wedding that the Clintons just put on, uh, amounting to millions of dollars, I said to someone, if, "If people have that kind of money, why do they work like those folks work?" Of course, that's that's really part of what the man in the parable says today. You know, I've got all of this. I'm just going to sit back. We really struggle with this whole question of money. And as someone uh, said in this uh, documentary that we were watching last night, winning the lottery is like putting miracle grow on human flaws. And, in, <laughs> and I think uh, that's probably what windfall sums of money can do, no matter what form they come in. We really struggle with that. And part of the reason that we do, I think, is because at the heart of how we relate to money are questions like this. What is really important in my life? Where does my responsibility for others begin and where does it end? Who is my neighbor? How does my money help relationships with others? And how does it hinder relationships with others? And perhaps the one that's so hard in the affluent culture in which we live, especially if you're CEO of a very large bank, when is enough enough? And we know that for some, it's not even about the money anymore. It's just a way of keeping score. We struggle with all of this. And I think it's important for us to, at some point, acknowledge that this really is tough for us. Now, there are a couple of things that I want to stipulate from the very beginning. Uh, First, I want to say that I think it's important for us to acknowledge how hard it is for us to talk about money in church. We are we really have a terrible time with that. You know, we have gone on now for probably 20 plus years arguing about sex. And we talk about it seemingly all the time. And we've spent enormous amounts of money in our denomination struggling with that issue. But we have a terribly hard time talking about money, about wealth and poverty, about justice and mercy. But we can talk about sex all day. (laughs) I think that says something about our spiritual lives. The second thing I'd like to uh, stipulate is that every area of our life is touched by money. And money in and of itself is not a bad thing. And I think uh, we'll see in this parable that this was not an evil man. There was, he wasn't a bad person. He was trying to deal with all that he had acquired. So money in and of itself is not bad. And then finally, I'd like to say that it's important for us, I think, to acknowledge that it's hard for us as Christians to live our lives in a way that express what we say we believe about our relationship to money. I have preached uh, before about the Ten Commandments, and uh, I always try to make it clear that I believe the, the Ten Commandments are really about relationships, about the vertical relationship we have with God, and then a lot of the Ten Commandments about the horizontal relationship that we have with people. And I think that uh, when it comes to money, it's also ultimately about relationships. That was so clear in that documentary last night about how relationships get so messed up when people can't deal reasonably with money. Well, you know that scripture says an awful lot about money. And by the way, it doesn't say all that much about sex. And Jesus didn't really talk about it very much at all. 
But he talked very clearly about money in the gospel lesson from today. Apparently a large crowd had gathered and someone came forward. And and one can imagine this being a very reasonable thing. Here is a rabbi who is respected, gaining in popularity. And this person is having uh, trouble in, in, uh, in his family about the division of the inheritance and appeals to Jesus to intervene for him. Now, any of you have lived very long, you've had some experience relating to this, either in your family or with a friend, somewhere along the line, you know how hard it is for people to deal with inherited money. But Jesus chooses to pass over that, and instead, he he gives a warning against greed. And then he goes on to tell this parable. And it's about this farmer who apparently is very prosperous, must have wonderful land, It grows great crops, and the crops are so great that he's run out of uh, uh, barns to keep all of the produce in. And he decides that what he needs to do is tear down the old barns and build new and bigger barns. I realized this morning, I remember hearing this lesson when I was uh, a young person in South Dakota, and uh, one of the families in the church had just torn down the old barns to build bigger barns to hold more grain and it was a very uncomfortable Sunday morning for those folks (laughs) but then finally the guy says to himself soul you have plenty of stuff you just need to relax take it easy eat drink and be merry and then Jesus goes on to say that God says to this person you fool this night your soul is required of you And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then Jesus ends that parable by saying, And so it is with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This parable, I think, is not so much about sin as it is about foolishness. We can be very foolish sometimes when it comes to money and our relationship to it. And but it's more than that. It's not about the money particularly, but it's about what it does to our relationships, our relationship to other people and our relationship to God. This parable, again, I think, does not uh, focus on anybody who is evil, but rather on someone who apparently has become convinced that the possessions that he has are the security that he needs, that that's really all he needs. And what Jesus is saying very clearly is that it's not what we possess. It is not the 401k. It's not the IRA. It's not what we have in the stock market that's going to save our lives. That is not where we find our security. Our security can only be found in God. And that is something that can never, ever be taken away from us. Now, it's easy for me, the preacher, to say that. It's difficult for me, the human being, to live into it. It's one thing, I think, for us to see that and know that that's true. But it's hard to live it out in our lives. Well, that's one part of this parable I think we should think about and think about in terms of the way we live our lives. But there's another aspect to it that I think is important as well. And that is to recognize how easy it is for us as human beings to confuse means and ends. Uh, The the acquisition of resources uh, by each of us is is a means to an end. 
And it's a means, hopefully, to doing good and making a difference in the world around us and not just accumulating and needing to build bigger and bigger barns. But so often it becomes an end in itself. And it seems that in particularly in our culture, it's there's nothing that encourages us particularly to think about it differently. There's this constant press toward uh, a competition leading to acquisition and growing bigger and bigger and bigger. I was reminded in preparing this of uh, how different Native American culture is from ours because uh, you go to one of the reservation communities uh, anywhere in the middle part of the country and if you're there for uh, the anniversary of a death, there'll be a huge giveaway. And a person's stature in the community is really measured by how much they can give away. And sometimes they give away so much they impoverish themselves. That's just the opposite of our culture. We, we are so completely different from that. And in many ways, I think the Native American perspective is closer to Jesus' perspective. We are addicted to acquisition, to more and more and more. We heard that reading from Paul this morning, and uh, in it he says very clearly, greed is idolatry. This is a problem, of course, that Israel had, uh, turning to other gods. But it's easy to understand greed as idolatry if you think about the fact that where you put your trust, what you believe will sustain and protect you, is your God. And if it's money or possessions, you've become an idolater. No longer worshiping the true God and putting trust in the true God, but putting trust in the things of this world and this life. I think that we must always be on guard, especially in the world in which we live, to not fall into the trap of idolatry. And I think we can avoid that pitfall by remembering that all of it comes from God. All of it. I've sometimes thought that if uh, an alien uh, landed on our planet uh, somewhere, perhaps even in New England, and looked at how we lived, the alien might come to the conclusion that we are practical atheists. We may proclaim a belief in God, but we live as though there is no God. And our culture, I believe, is reflecting that now. We proclaim a belief in God, but how is that belief lived out as a a love of God and of what God has given us being seen as the gifts from God? Well, the problem of the barn builder was not that he was a bad man. And it really wasn't even that he had too many possessions. But he really lived as a practical atheist. He had no need for God because he had so much. And he could rely on that. I believe that Jesus is calling us to be different from that. And Jesus is reminding us, just as the writer of Ecclesiastes does, that all of it is vanity. All of it is vanity. May God give us grace and may God give us wisdom to live our lives not as fools and not as practical atheists, but as followers of Jesus, believing and knowing that our trust, our life, all that we need comes to us from God. Amen.